So Birdo, I just heard to, so I'm 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 on Reddit. I, I that's my that's You're my, on Reddit? Well, that's my place I go to look at the internet. That's your 4chan? That's my that's <laughs> yeah. I started seeing all of these posts posting about Chris Cornell's music. So right. Chris Cornell unplugged an old Soundgarden uh song. Yeah, like, oh, that's interesting. And I'm like and and after like the third post, I'm like, why are all these random people posting about Chris Cornell? And then all of a sudden, it occurred to me, <gasps> he must have died, right? Because on Reddit, the only reason why something like that would happen would be because something yeah. horrible had happened. And so I looked it up, and in fact, because even if they put out a new album, it, it just wouldn't bubble right. up like that, right? Especially, yeah. So he had he has died. He died yesterday, and. And I just wanted to talk about it on the podcast. Suicide? Suicide. And that's what it very much appears to be at this point. Oh, man. Yeah. And I also just want to talk about Chris Cornell's career and our interaction with it. He's from Seattle. He's one of the Seattle greats. Rachel! And so... Um, and he also did impressions of birds, kind of like what Berto just did. <laughs> and so I thought we could talk about that sort of thing. What do you say, Berto? Let's do it. This is the Psychology and Settle Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I'm a typographist. So the, the thing before we start into this is the last time this happened, it was either Prince or David Bowie. I had just heard... That I think it was Prince that he had died just before we started recording. And so it was with Rebecca, I think, mm. you, you weren't here. And we just started to just talk about it because I just wanted to talk about it. And then people on the internet, of course, I get daily messages from people telling me about how I got some fucking fact wrong or something, Ugh. you know? Like, you know, Prince's or David Bowie's or whoever it was, but it'll be like, so-and-so's album wasn't that year. It was this other year. And Ziggy Stardust was not this sort of thing. It was that sort of thing. And all I have to say to you fucking internet people is this. If you come to a psychology podcast in which <laughs> I'm just riffing about something to learn about the facts about someone, anyone's life, you can go to hell. There's, <laughs> there's a thing called Wikipedia plus 10,000 other websites you can go to to find... It's wikipedia.org. To find facts. It, you don't come to a stupid podcast to to listen to facts, and then and the other thing is, is people. In all likelihood, I recorded those episodes months, if not years ago. I don't give a fuck if I got something wrong, somewhat, especially on if it's about a popular, f- you know, figure. Amy Winehouse died when she was twenty seven, not twenty eight, and it's like you know, Harry Potter's. Patronus was blah, 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 not this blah, blah. Do you know how many messages I get about the Harry Potter episode? We're here to talk about psychology. It's a, it's not a Are you the worst prosecuted, the, the, the most persecuted podcaster in history? No, I can't imagine what more popular internet people get. Is this a witch hunt like none, none other? It, it's just stupid. So I just want to say, I'm you know, I just figured this out like 15 minutes ago. Started, you know, pressed record, we're going to record, and just lay off. So, and I'm sure Chris Cornell would agree with me when I tell y'all to fuck off. He had many songs in which he told, people, told people to fuck off. So, so there we go. Like, um, uh, like Black Hole Moon. Yeah. 
So the first time I saw Chris Cornell, I was at uh, Bumbershoot 1990. Whoa. And I went to Bumbershoot because I wanted to see the Posies. Remember the Posies? Yeah. They, the Posies had just come out with Dear 23, the, mm. the album before Frosting on a Beater. And, you know, the Frosting on a Beater was probably their biggest album. It was the, I can dream all day. I can dream yeah. all day. But Dear 23 was, was probably my favorite album. Uh, and it's it's a great album, and so I go to see the Posies play there. It's in Key Arena, but Bumbershoot is this big music festival in Seattle. It's been going on forever. Bumbershoot is another word for umbrella. I, I, I've come yeah. to learn. And so I'm watching the Posies, and there's all these these punk guys, these guys in black and shaved heads. And was, was Posies jealousy too? Did they do? Hey, jealousy! No, my god. Okay, that was what was their name? That was that's a terrible. That's like I mean they're fine, but what was their name? Because I saw them at UW. I don't know, but they're nothing. Gin like Blossom. The Posey, Gin Blossom. Oh, no, no, sorry, I saw the Posies at UW, but I was expecting to hear the Gin Blossom song. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that was in '93. <laughs> now the Posies have a very sophisticated Beatles esque, yeah, sort of writing style that didn't go over well at the public, pro- oh my in God. my opinion, because it's a little too sophisticated. Can you imagine right now the rage of people that I confuse the posies with Jim Blossom? Well, all you got to see is the look on my face. <laughs> because the Jim Blossoms, they're Ooh, fine. <laughs> I mean, I liked I liked Jim Blossoms' songs, but that's like... I can't believe you confused the Jim Blossoms. I mean, that's like comparing, I don't know, like... Britney Spears to, I don't know, like Michael Jackson. I'm the worst treated podcaster in history. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> so, um, so anyway, uh, I go to see the Posies, and, I, I'm, I'm tr- and I'm kind of annoyed with the crowd because the crowd in the right in front of the stage, it's all these punk guys who oh. don't, who like, there's me with my, I don't know what you call it, alt rock sensibilities. Right. You know, not heavy metal, not into heavy metal, not into punk. I'm, I'm into things like the Posies right. and the Beatles and the Sundays and the Thompson or uh, not Thompson Twins, Cocteau Twins. Oh yeah, uh, New Order. You know Depeche Mode, that kind of thing. And so there's us right. that are there to see the Posies, which is another local band. And the Posies, I thought were going to be the biggest band from Seattle, but we were. This was just before Nirvana. Right, had, never before mind. Nirvana. Never mind. Was the next year, and so there's all these like asshole punk guys who are in the front yelling at the Posies while they're playing, telling oh. telling them to get off stage. Oh, yeah, oh. and they're just like, boo, get off the stage. And uh, John Hour, the lead singer of the Posies. Uh, whom I've seen in very small clubs in Seattle in the last 10 years, um, he starts yelling at the crowd. He's just uh-huh. like, you know, every time you boo, it just makes me want to play another song. It just makes us stronger. Yeah, and so he and I, and I, I totally respected that because it, it was very awkward, you know? Because if John Auer just, and Ken Stringfellow, if, if they just sort of were like, Come on, guys. Come or, on. Or if they ignored it, it would look bad. But they just came right back at him. They're just like, nice. fuck you. This is our set. You could go home if you want to. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> so like, they still had that Seattle attitude. Yeah, yeah. But with the, with the, you know, the nice music. <laughs> with, nice, with nice long hair instead of the angry Soundgarden long hair. So then the next band comes on, and it's Soundgarden. And that's when I realized Ooh. what was happening was like, 
the crowd wanted to see Soundgarden. Oh. And Soundgarden at the time, 1990, this is this is before they were big, you know. Is this bad motor finger time? No, 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 way before that. Or oh, really? not way before, but, you know, before that. This okay. is uh, this is after Louder Than Love, which was their, their big album that they came out, you know. And so, yeah, this is before Bad Motor Finger, before mm-hmm. Super Unknown, before Down on the Upside. And... And I'd, I'd known Soundgarden because there were a handful of local bands that everyone knew about. You knew about, you know, Nirvana. You knew about um, Mudhoney. Mm-hmm. You knew about um, Tad. You like, Mudhoney was bigger than Nirvana initially, right? Totally. Nirvana was a, a shit, tiny little crap band. And and no one expected Nirvana to be right. the band that came out with, <laughs> with the biggest album of all time. That would actually rocket everyone else with him, including Soundgarden to some extent. But, right. but, um, but Soundgarden was one of those bands. Uh, so I thought the Posies were going to be big, but actually Soundgarden actually had a pretty good following. But it was a it was a metal following. And, yeah. You know, normal soccer moms don't listen to metal. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and so no one no one's going to listen to this band. And they had kind of a really hardcore punk following. They were aggressive. Very yeah, aggressive. it was like now if you go to a Soundgarden show or even just five years after this point, it would have been like, you know, your everyday kind of people. Yeah. But at this point, it was like very, you know, it, so back, they called it, you know, they, they call it a mosh pit now, right? Yeah, right. In the 90s, they started calling it a mosh pit. What was it called then? It, it wasn't called anything then. <laughs> it was just like the place in front of the stage. And I remember no one called it moshing. No one called it a mosh pit. You just you just called it like the place where the punks like to punch people, you know? <laughs> and so so me and my friends, actually Chris Glover, uh-huh. uh, whom, whom you know, and, and David Broadhead, I think it was him. Maybe not. But anyway, we decide to... Uh, kind of go into this crowd and see this Soundgarden band, and I, you know, again, I'd heard of them kind of, but I didn't know any of their songs, and I just wanted to get into that pit because it looked <laughs> it looked really exciting. Sure. So we we enter. There's sort of a in every mosh pit. There's a zone uh. between the stander arounders, the innocent people who don't enter the zone of the mosh pit and then the, the where the mosh pit begins. Oh. And when you and you cross that line and that's when violence starts to occur, right? <laughs> and there and so we ent- we I remember we're kind of making our way through the crowd trying to get up to the front cuz there's a lot of people. Soundgarden's playing. And I cross the line and instantly all three of us get completely separated. Oh man. Because the 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 it was like Whenever they depict heat, kinetic energy, mm-hmm. molecule—that's <laughs> you guys bouncing off of everything, right? You know, like <laughs> you slow down the, the gas molecules, and they slowly start to—you know—they they get quiet. But then, you know, you give them a lot of heat, and they're just bouncing all <laughs> up. And that was just like, and you threw three other molecules in there, and bam, boom! Like all of them, we just got scattered. And I, and I, I, I don't think I saw them again for a long time. Wow. I make my way to the front, and I'm just getting beat up. People are like, like not punching me, but, but just slamming in, slamming, but but close slamming. Like in, yeah. in like a lot of slam pits, you'll see people with with space around them. There yeah. was there was such a press of people, and everyone was cramming, like bouncing, just. Uh, and I remember the next day, I had bruises all up and down my body, like every oh inch my of my body. And to get a little graphic here. I had a uh, hat on my head, and I was getting crunched 
downstairs, if you know what I'm saying. Yo! And so I put my hat down my pants. <laughs> to protect like a cup. <laughs> oh my gosh. And um That's hilarious. <laughs> and so I'm listening to sound I'm just, well, what kind of hat? Like a baseball cap? It was like a, uh, a like fedora. a stocking, like a yeah, yeah. It was like a cowboy hat. No, it was like a it was like a like a stocking cap or something. Yeah. Uh, okay, whatever you call those okay. things. Oh, like yeah, yeah. The wearing, yes, like the 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 kind that like a ski cap. You know, what's that band? Uh, if you want to rock for hours, just go ahead now. Uh, two princes or whatever. Uh, oh yeah, God. that guy wore that kind of stuff all the you're, time. You're just going down a worse and worse '90s road <laughs> with these terrible bands. You know, I always forget the name of that band, and every time I hear it, I'm like, okay, remember that band name, and, <laughs> and I can't recall it, but I'm, I'm glad that I can't. Anyway, the song's Two Princes. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. But so yours? Do you do you realize my first concert ever was The Cure? Yeah. And do you know I got to go to the front? Yeah. And I, I, it was a mosh pit, but it wasn't because it was the cure. Yeah. But still, everyone was still kind of crushing. So I had to like sit there. It was like a workout. Was that like 91, 92? 91, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, saw, I went to that concert too. I, we were right there. It was Key Arena. Maybe you were pushing. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you were pushing me against the. Yeah. I just remember there's a lot of pot. That's all <laughs> I remember. But um, that's interesting. Yeah. Which, by the way, at the time, I didn't know what pot smelled like or what it looked like. Yeah. So I, I was like, why? Are there dead things here? Like, it smelled so bad. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so getting to Chris Cornell, I'm looking up at him at, from, you know, the front of the stage, and I'm just like, my God, this guy is, he's a rock god. Yeah, right? He's like the next <laughs> Robert Plant or something. He he just had this charisma, and he could right. sing, and this this music, you know, and they had this Japanese bassist, which was, I thought right. was just so cool. And, and he was good looking and t- yeah. probably tall. I don't know how tall he was, but he looked tall. Oh yeah. Long hair, long Jesus hair. Uh, that was he shirtless, that goatee. Probably. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and so I'm getting bounced around and the music and, you know, it's all these punk guys and, and then all of a sudden everyone reaches up into the air with their arms at the same time. Oh. And I don't know what I don't know what's you don't know what's happening. And they they go fuck 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 you fuck you the entire what? mosh pit at the same time. And I'm looking around and I'm like, how is everyone knowing this choreographed you know, thing? <laughs> and then I realize this is that's the song. Ah, <laughs> it's this it's this uh, song, Big Dumb Sex by Soundgarden, on their Louder Than Love uh, album. And the chorus is, fuck, 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 fuck you. I see. And, and everyone's <laughs> screaming this. And I'll just never forget. It just, everyone stopped being violent with each other just long enough. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Sounds like a dashboard confessional show, but a little different. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, Soundgarden, you know, they, they got their name from a sculpture that is in Magnuson Park. Have you ever been Oh, there? okay. Have you ever been there before? Yeah, yeah. There's this, it's this... But I had no idea that the, that was the connection. Oh, okay. It's called A Soundgarden, and it's these large metal whistle yeah, kind I've of things. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, I just okay. never knew what it was called. Oh, yeah. It's called A Soundgarden, and so that's that's where they got their their name from. Mm. Then uh, Bad Motor Finger comes out, and that right. was their big album that kind of got them onto the map because it had, you know, Spoon Man. Spoon Man! 
Rusty Cage. That's right. Jesus Christ pose, um, that kind of stuff. And and so they, for the first, and partially I'm guessing because they were from Seattle and Nirvana was just so big. Um, but I remember watching MTV and like you'd walk up to Sharon Stone or something and who's your favorite Seattle band? <laughs> you know, just like on a red carpet. Right. Yeah, that was the thing of the month was like, who's yeah. your favorite grunge band? And basically it came down between Soundgarden or Nirvana. You had your Soundgarden people and you had your Nirvana people. You and know? then there's Pearl Jam after that. Oh, right, right. Sorry. Yeah. You had your Pearl Jam. Yeah. yeah. So, so Pearl Jam was huge. Nirvana was huge. And like Soundgarden yeah. was like a third or something. So, so um, I remember seeing... Uh, well, first of all, I love the, the videos on MTV. But then I remember when I saw singles. Right. And there's that scene where they're in the club and he's singing Ritual. Yeah. And I'm like, is that a real... Band? I didn't. I didn't know it was Soundgarden. I was like, yeah. "That can't be real. Is that a real person singing that?" Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's in that movie. Um, so just a little bit on the news. Uh, he had a rock festival in suburban St. Louis. No, no, sorry. He had a sound just looking. Uh, Maryland, Missouri. So Maryland Heights, Missouri. They were was that scheduled. Fuck. I don't know what I'm reading. Anyway, they found him in a hotel room. And let's see, a medical examiner determined that Cornell killed himself by hanging in Detroit. So a show in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And then just hours later, uh, that night in his hotel room, it seems as though he killed himself. Man. He was 52 years old. He had been suffering from depression and social well, that's what I was wondering. Social phobias and drug and alcohol addiction his entire life. I remember oh. he I remember he was one of the big heroin oh, was he? addicts back in the day. Yeah. Oh, does is there have you seen anything about like heroin heavy heroin use leads to depression or is it depression leads to heavy heroin use? Or? Uh both. Any addiction ongoing will complicate your depression or even cause it because one the the consequences of of drug addiction are quite severe the yeah. the stigma the pushing people away the shame that can be in itself a cause for depression mm. but also your your brain chemistry is altered as such that when you in, engage in long term substance abuse particularly things like heroin and alcohol there will be times where your brain is trying to adjust mm. and the adjustments can cause deeper depressions. I see. Yeah. So, so what I suspect, and again, this is just speculation, is that he had been thinking about. I, I'm sure reports will come out, but I, I'm guessing that he had been thinking about suicide at least off and on for decades. Oh man! And has and had been successfully, you know, uh, pushing past it. But I think. Uh, again, speculation based on my experience with other situations like this was he made a decision a long time ago mm-hmm. that he was going to do it. He might have even had other times because it all seems so sudden. It's like yeah. he's at a concert, everything's fine, and then hours later he, he's found. It seems like, well, that can't be suicide. It doesn't make any sense. Well, how could you go out? Well, people who have strong suicidal thoughts can just, you know, they can persevere. Partially because they've had suicidal thoughts that have been intense for years and years and years. So it's not unusual. Yeah. So to them, it's 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 something 
that is just par for the course. And and so it seems to me that you know he made a decision a long time ago, is my guess, and for whatever reason thought this would be a good time to do it. Oh man. It's weird because like he tweeted just before the show saying like let's rock Detroit or oh, really? something. Yeah, so there's so there's no indication. Um oh. but you know, it maybe will it maybe some reports will come out saying that there was some foul play yeah. because of course that's always a question when it's like there's because we haven't heard about any kind of suicide note or anything. True, and, yeah. And his family didn't know anything was happening. That's so crazy. Yeah. Did he have kids? Yeah, he had three kids, I believe, from two different women. Mm. So, so this is, you know, obviously Kurt Cobain, uh, Lane Staley. Yeah, right. Uh, the lead singer of of um, what's the Stone Stone Temple Pilots? Yeah, yeah that guy. Uh, Stap or uh, Stap Scott? What's his name? Scott Stap um, something. Uh, no Scott. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, and so it's a sad day. And that's really most of it. Yeah, a lot of his songs actually had a lot of death themes in it, which is common to sure. heavy metal and to that kind of music, but. He has a song called Like Suicide. Uh, and what actually my favorite song is called Boot Camp and it's on um it's on Down on the Upside which was their last really good album. So mm. it's their that last so there are 16 tracks on oh wow on, on that album, yeah. And they by this time they had completely gone experimental and and wrote oh, really? some really excellent songs. Yeah, there's not a lot of see. I don't know. I, I honestly, I mostly knew Super Unknown and a couple of previous songs, and right. that was it. Right, because Super Unknown's the big album because yeah. it has uh, Black Hole Sun. It's oh wait, Spoonman's on Super Unknown. Bad oh, Motorfinger just has Rusty Cage and Outshined and Jesus Christ, both sorry. So all those people on the internet, they're gonna fucking blast us. Ah! <laughs> they've already they've already commented below this on YouTube saying Spoonman's on on Super Unknown, you yeah. idiot, <laughs> idiot. Get, Get a right. book. Get a book. <laughs> well, that, so that's my favorite. That's my favorite internet insult. <laughs> Get a book. Get a book. It's like God, really. <laughs> um, so I have a a memory where uh, it was my f- uh, sophomore year of college. I had moved in with my friend uh, Dave, <laughs> Korean Dave, you know? Yeah. And above, I think two floors above us, there were these two guys that we met. And one of their names was Ed. And Ed looked like Chris Cornell, like if he had short hair, where Chris Cornell did have short hair for a period. So he looked like, kind of like Chris Cornell. And I remember I was so jealous of this fact. But so um, my other friend, Chong, who, who might be listening to this, they were like, yeah, Ed totally looks like Chris Cornell. I'm like, not really. I don't really see it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, God damn it. <laughs> That's uh, funny. <laughs> so looking at the set list, I found the set list from, from 1990, September 3rd, Bumbershoot, Seattle. And in fact, their fifth song, Big Dumb Sex, the Fuck, Fuck, Fuck You song, other songs that they played, I think during their uh, encores, they played Inagata De Vida by by Iron Butterfly. Nice. But but, Oh, they teased it, so they just started it, apparently. They played Communication Breakdown by Led Zeppelin. Nice. Communication. 
medication breakdown. And their second to last song, Big Bottom by Spinal Tap. <laughs> Do you know that song? I, I remember it. The- big Bottom. <laughs> yeah. Big. Oh, that's a clear song. And their last song, Jesus Saw Right by the Art Reynolds Singers. <laughs> is that the. Wait. Jesus is just all right with me. Uh, maybe, Jesus is that is it? Just all right. That's Come hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, he grew up actually. It, he went to Shorewood High School, which is oh. near, nearby. I used to live downtown, but now I live in the suburbs. And That's right. Sherwood High School is actually pretty close to here. He had, I think, some trouble growing up in his family, mm. and he uh, early in life engaged in drug abuse, uh, heroin, and alcohol. Oh. I mean, I remember hearing about him in the '90s. People would just say, yeah, Chris Cornell. I I remember there would be reports about Chris Cornell Mm. going on these long heroin bouts. I I seem to remember that, yeah. Yeah, and how... Because he did disappear for a bit, right? Like, he was, you know, Soundgarden was going and stuff like that. And then when he came back, it was like the Audio Slave stuff, right? Yeah. And then he he did a few solo things. I remember when he did the Bond song. But he wasn't... He did sort of like recede from prominence here and there. Maybe he was going through bouts of... When I was in a band in the early 90s, as every other guy was in Seattle, I played at this one club. They called it... It was called The Ditto. The Ditto? The Ditto. And it was owned by this guy, and I can't remember his name, but he had this club in Seattle, and it was called The Ditto. And it was... Back before, so in the like late 80s, early 90s, there were only three places that Soundgarden, Nirvana, Mudhoney could play in Seattle. Mm. They could play at the Ditto, and they could play at the OK Hotel, and they could play at Central. Oh, okay. Now, and or f- fast forward four or five years, there were clubs for rock bands in every in every sub you know sure. borough in Seattle. You know, yeah. there were just everywhere. I mean. Like when when we started playing, one of our favorite places, the two two favorite places we ever played was this Chinese restaurant and this Indian restaurant. <laughs> the Indian restaurant was in Pioneer Square, so okay. that that kind of made sense. But the Chinese restaurant was in Ballard, but they had this really great stage and Weird. and great sound system and stuff. And, and it was a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, it was called the New World. But uh, any so all these you know Indian restaurants, Chinese restaurants, everyone was like inviting grunge into wow. their into their lives. But there was a time when there's only three places, and so when we would play at the Ditto, we would hang out with the owner sometimes, and he would take us into the back. And so he owned almost an entire block in Belltown, right underneath the uh, monorail. Oh, wow. And he in the back had a bigger space than his club, uh-huh. and, and it, but he never used it except for his hoarding. He had oh, no. He hoarded newspapers, so he he would every like new- clinical hoarder kind of thing. Like, well, you could barely walk or I mean, we could get into the definition yeah, yeah. of hoarding disorder, which you know is an actual DSM thing. But but he, you know, I'll just say what he did. Okay. You know, call it what you will. But he would collect stacks of newspapers, Seattle Times, uh-huh. Seattle PI, every day, and. He stacked them fairly neatly in a, in a in a in all these stacks, which resulted in a mountain of newspapers, oh and, and they put, they were all stacked, and so you could climb on this mountain. <laughs> it was probably twenty feet by twenty feet, oh my and God. and probably like eight feet high. 
Why didn't he just scan him and put him up on the internet? <laughs> yeah. And so we would sit back there and smoke cigarettes and <gasps> on a pow- on a pile of flammable <laughs> newspapers and and drink his weird alcohol. I remember he actually introduced me to Kalamata olives. You know how like you know sure. like like back in the eighties you you had black olives and green olives. Yes, and you know and most people hated green olives. Sure, and Kalamata <laughs> olives were like. What? Really, it was like really <laughs> gross. But I remember he he was uh, Italian, and so he wanted to start selling these in his bar. And he mm. put he would put like three Kalamata olives in this, you know, those plastic uh, little bowls that you use for ketchup, like yeah, at McDonald's yeah. or something. <laughs> and he would put them in there. Yeah, and I remember he was like, "You got to have these," and and then we're just kind of like, "Wow, these are really kind of these are strong," you know. Anyway, so we'd sit back there, smoke cigarettes drink his weird alcohol and we would talk about his experiences just a couple years earlier with all those bands oh, wow. nirvana uh you know soundgarden mother love bone because and he he was really close with andrew wood from mother love right. bone. so there's another seattle guy who died he was also suicide oh th- overdose it was overdose i think so overdose yeah and i think andrew wood and um chris cornell were, were really close because when mother yeah. love bone dissolved because of andrew wood uh chris cornell joined a lot of those guys and they formed um, temple of the temple of the dog, dog yeah. yeah and so he was telling me about he claimed i think his name was paletti if i remember right. so long ago but anyway he he was telling me that he gave andrew wood his first joint <laughs> <laughs> which led to eventual heroin which led to eventual oh. dying but he also said chris cornell and all these other guys and I just I just remember me and uh, the other guitarist in my band. We would just listen to him, and he was just like he was like some kind of a guru. Yeah, and he <laughs> and he had, he had gray. He had a gray beard, you know, to go yeah. with it and everything. He just seemed like this master of grunge, you know. Ah, that's so funny. And the song that he would get him going, he had a jukebox, uh-huh. and we would put it in the jukebox whenever we went there. We'd go there after hours, like the bars would shut down, and we would uh-huh. go there and knock on the door. And that's we, a good friend to have. <laughs> yeah. And the one song that would always get him going was Sky Pilot by um, Eric Eric Burden and the Animals. Oh. Sky Pilot. And just seeing that, that guy with that gray beard just jumping around like uh. a like a a gnome or something <laughs> in, in his own club like that's hilarious. have you seen him since like have you did you no. ever see him again or? no I, I think he ran alive. for office I started seeing his name I don't know if it was a similar guy anyway the I point- mean if he owned a big piece of that area he yeah. must have made some bank yeah so what else can we say about Soundgarden uh, you, you can't really. Uh, attribute all of Soundgarden's greatness to Chris Cornell himself. Oh no, the rhythms are unbelievable in their songs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kim, Kim Thale, Ben Shepard, Matt Cameron, all four of those guys are geniuses, really. Especially Ben Shepard, the bassist. When he joined, yeah. when he joined the band, he really brought that experimental vibe to them. I, I gotta say, so actually, that was the the first thing that stood out when I heard um, when I heard their music that was different from the others. It was that it was so rhythmically interesting. Right. I was like, what? I could barely even follow it. I'm like, yeah. that is so cool. Well, not only that, because that's a metal thing, but but the, the it actually had um, 
chordal sophistication. Yeah, right. The, and the first song that I heard it in was Outshined. So, you know, Outshined is... You know, Outshine! Outshine! And, and so, you know, pretty typical grunge, you know, me- yes. slow metal, because that's what grunge was, was slow metal. But then it's, it has this bridge. The da 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 Da, da, da. And then, oh, yeah, yeah. like, it, there's you hear chords, you yes. hear actual interesting, kind of like alternative rock chords that uh-huh. are sort of shoved into this metal song, <laughs> you know. And that's when I, you know, that's when I was like, whoa, what is this band? What is Soundgarden doing? And that, I think that was a lot of Ben Shepard stuff. Interesting. But yeah, by the time um, Down on the Upside came out, I mean, it, there were so just just expressing this genius stuff at the end of this episode. So boot camp when it, when uh, down on the upside came out, I loved this song so much. So it's the last Soundgarden album on their last I good see. album. I, I covered it actually Oh wow! on my four track cassette recorder. Oh, you mean you covered it? You re- re-recorded each song, your own version of it? No, just Boot Camp. Just the song Boot oh, Camp. Oh, just Boot Camp. Okay. Yeah. And it's interesting because the lyrics are really um, appropriate to the situation. Um, and at the end of this episode, I'll, I'll, I'll play my version. Your cover? Because we don't have the rights to yeah, of course. play. But anyway, he, there, here's, here are the lyrics. It's very simple. I must obey the rules. I must be tame and cool. Here it says cook, but I'm pretty sure it's cool. Um, That's the saying. I must be cook. Yeah, what? I'm pretty cook. I'm yeah. a pretty cook guy. I must obey the rules. I must be tame and cool. No staring at the clouds. I must stay on the ground. In clusters of the mice, the smoke is in our eyes. Like babies on display, like angels in a cage. I must be pure and true. I must contain my views. There must be something else. There must be something good far away. Far away from here. Far away. Far away from here. Uh, And then there's a final line in there. But Uh. so, you know, internet, Google music doesn't even have the right lyrics. But yeah. But anyway, so it ends with that. There must be something good far away. There must be something else. I see. And so that's what we'll end with. But do you have anything else you want to say about Chris Cornell, Berto? Let's see. Well, you know, um, at the time where all this was happening, I was still in high school in Tacoma. And I went to, I think we talked about before, my my swim coach was, um, his last name was Stauffer. He was Aaron Stauffer's dad uh, from, uh, what's it, Seaweed? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the name of the Tacoma band? I don't know. There was this kind of famous grunge band from Tacoma. Um, I think it was Seaweed. Not that famous. <laughs> they were they were famous enough. They well, you, well, you lived enough. in Tacoma at the time, so no, no, no. Like they they, they were Seattle famous, I should say. Uh, I never but, heard of them. Seaweed. Um, but anyways, my point is that all the older, like the the seniors, I would hear them talking a lot about these bands. And I would hear things like Mother Love Bone and all these other things. And I would have no idea what was going on because I was, I was with the Depeche Mode crowd and the Erasure crowd and all these things. And for us, 
I, I, I was sort of upset because like Violator is one of my favorite albums of all time and I didn't really like Songs of Faith and Devotion. So I was sitting there going like, hey, where's I, I want more of my kind of music. Where's more of my kind of music? And so the only thing that was really coming out that I was really latching onto was like Nine Inch Nails, um, maybe even Marilyn Manson or stuff like this. Um, and I was totally not paying attention to grunge because I was like, Oh, it's that new scene, that grunge thing. I don't even get it. I don't. So it took me till 93 when I went to college to finally be like, fine, I'll listen to some of this stuff. And then I really liked, uh, I, I loved. Actually, Soundgarden was one of the only ones that I already actually really liked because it sort of poked out of that. Um, but I had even missed the Smashing Pumpkins because I grouped them in the whole grunge thing. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. That first Smashing Pumpkins <laughs> album, Gish, I listened to it and I didn't understand it and hated it. Oh, I mean, really? Yeah, I hated it at first. I was just like, "What is this?" It's. It, I was like, "It's kind of like Al, It's kind of like Jane's Addiction." I even thought it was kind of like Guns and Roses in a sense. Oh, weird. But you know, because com- like back then there was nothing else to compare it to. Sure. But I but I really compared it to Jane's Addiction. And I'll never forget. I'm listening to it and Snail. There's a song called Snail, mm-hmm. like it's track seven or something. Uh, on Gish, and when that, and there was something I, I just you know back then you have like fifteen CDs you can listen sure. to, right? And so I, you just have to listen to it even if you don't like it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it just it hit clicked. me between the eyes, and I was like, "This is the best album of all time." <laughs> like it all started to make sense yeah, to yeah. me, and I was a I was a massive Smashing Pumpkins fan. <laughs> Uh, so you eventually you, I became Shun, my friend Shun. Okay, uh, he this is after probably me. after Siamese Dream. Maybe. This is in '93. He force fed me uh, several bands, and I was like, okay, okay, I like it, I like it, and then I really liked it. Okay, um, because it's not really your your thing though, even to this day. I mean, if if you just wanted to play like music you know, that you want to listen to, you wouldn't pop in a Smashing Pumpkins album, would you? No, that's true. I mean, certain songs I really love, uh, but I definitely, like, if you grab me on a random day, Bardo, play a song, it'll be some song from the 80s that I can sing to. Something lighter, let's just say, yeah. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> yeah, which is great, you know, I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just yeah. saying that's just your... That's, that's my just, average That's your choice, thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, for me, I have a massive like heavy metal uh, side to me, like Smashing Pumpkins, like Husker <laughs> Du. Uh, actually, I think Husker Du is what opened my eyes to to melodic hard music. Interesting. And so when Nirvana and all these other bands came out, I I and Jane's Addiction actually was was before a lot of the grunge <laughs> bands. Did you were you a Jane's Addiction fan? Yeah. Oh, so Jane's Addiction sort of scared me. Yeah. Because when I watched that video, the first thing I ever heard of Jane's Addiction was uh, being caught stealing yeah. once when I was five, whatever, right? Yeah. And I was watching the video, and there were, there were so many things that were foreign and weird to me. Like, why is he cross-dressing? Why is he wearing women's clothes? And then, is he actually stealing from a store? <laughs> and then it's like, and, and then the dogs, and it's like, they're doing illegal stuff. These guys are not for me. They're not good. <laughs> Well, I've always had a nihilistic, anarchic uh, uh, thread in my life, and so all that kind of stuff. Public Enemy actually gave me a similar feeling back then. But anyway, um, 
Yeah. Well, okay. So let's conclude. And again, this wasn't an episode that was supposed to provide you the story of Chris Cornell. In fact, I talked more about myself in this episode yes. than I talked about Chris Cornell. Um, it's a sad thing that he passed away. He was an amazing singer. I mean, we, you know, just, just YouTube his various different unplugged performances. He could play an acoustic guitar very well. Mm-hmm. That, that one song that's actually on the single soundtrack uh, is just amazing. Yes. And he's an amazing guitarist, an amazing singer. Uh, and even into his fifties, he could, he could still just oh, yeah. totally nail these songs. And the, the, he's just a one of a kind. I mean, can you think of anyone other than like, you know, Robert Plant, um, Robert Plant, right? That's yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, Robert Plant and those kinds of guys, like it's hard right. to come up with another person who is who is in fact you could almost say chris cornell is better than robert plant because chris cornell is like a excellent not only he's an excellent guitarist Easy. <laughs> but he he's an excellent because because chris cornell is good on his own robert yeah. plant you know he he oh, needs, sure, 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 yeah. he needs jimmy page that's fair that's fair the other thing is chris cornell is an excellent drummer he, oh is he he originally was the drummer in the band oh but wow the drum he was a drummer singer okay in fact, in the Ditto days, he he, he would was play drums and sing, uh, and he just little... he would get a guitarist and a bassist with him to to play these songs. Little Phil Collins action, nice. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so super talented guy, um, and yeah, it's sad. The final thing I'll say here is suicide awareness. <sighs> we can all do better, I think, about helping people cope with depression and suicide. One of the best things you can do with regards to preventing suicide is human connection. Again, total speculation, but as with Robin Williams is up in Alaska, wasn't he up in Alaska? Yep. And he was is- isolated. Isolated. Yeah. When, when, when you're on tour, you're oh, stressed sure. out, you're isolated, you're spent. You're Isn't that ironic that you're amongst so many fans that are adoring and yet you must feel pretty isolated? Well, if it's the one thing I've learned upon doing this podcast and investigating a lot of these fame, you know, Amy Winehouse, this sort of thing, is that the, the, when you're that famous, it has a massive negative effect on your mental health. The amount of energy me- mm-hmm. mentally you have to put into it, and the amount of the onslaught of of abuse that you'll, especially a woman like Amy Winehouse, that you'll get from the media and other people, and then the amount of substances you have to take just to stay mm. regular. Right, you're you're jet lagged. You're you're all out, out of whack, and so and then again the isolation. He's away from his kids. He's away from his wife. He's probably away from maybe some of his friends. I don't know. And it, the, if there's a significant suicidal motivation, then it's perhaps going to get worse in those situations. I mean, at this point, upon investigating so many of these cases and, frankly, having clients that live this kind of life, yeah. when I hear about people going on tour, I'm, I, I, all I can feel is pain and suffering for them. Oof. Because, because it's actually, 
you like you and I, if we went on tour, would be like, yay, it's fun. Yay. There's like crowds of people like, oh my God, there's, there's 10 pe- people. <laughs> yeah, there's 10 people who will listen to our stupid music. But for these people, this is how they make their living. You know, yeah. they, they release albums, but in today's economy in the music industry, from what I understand, all oh, your yeah. money, all your money comes from these tours. Absolutely. And so selling it's, t-shirts. <laughs> so it's not necessarily something you're doing for fun. And you're, you know, especially if you're this stage of Soundgarden, you're playing, you're playing 20 year old songs. It can't, you know, it can't be that fun, especially night after night after night. Right. And so he it, might also be uh, like, uh, maybe I'm projecting here, but there might be a, some frustration that like, maybe they want a new hit. Maybe they yeah. want a new album. Maybe they yeah. want, you know, but again, I suspect for Chris Cornell, it was ongoing. Yeah depressive and suicidal thoughts that culminated in, in probably a number of bouts in his life in which he was, because I work with people who have significant suicidal thoughts. And, and when I work with them for years, you'll just see, if you have to see this graph of motivation for suicide, you'll just see it kind of going up and down over time. Mm. And sometimes it's just random and sometimes it's related to their life uh, sometimes it's both and you'll just see this ebb and flow and over and if and if one of those rises in motivation matches up with enough circumstances then that's when it happens and I'm guessing that's yeah. what happened to Chris Cornell I don't know of course it's all speculation but I suspect that's what that that's what happened the reason why I'm saying this is because there's a temptation to look at this story and think you know how could this happen he he was he was at a show performing and then right. hours later he he kills himself it, it could feel like can anyone just suddenly kill themselves right and yes the answer is yes but but in all likelihood if you really knew chris cornell i'm sure his close friends and his wife are saying well he you know it was only a matter of time before you know wow uh, is my guess the other thing is, is people probably will start thinking it was there's foul play, which of course there could have been. Yeah. Uh, but given the circumstances, it doesn't seem like that's yeah. likely. All right. Well, let's end this episode. Uh, thanks for joining us. Well, I'll play that song, the cover song. Remember, it's a cover, and I recorded it 20 years ago, 21 years ago. Wow. <laughs> Boot Camp by Soundgarden. Thanks for joining us. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. Oh, that was actually pretty good. (laughs) 